Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 192 with Mark Henson. This is such a fun conversation because we are talking about superpowers. He's got a superhero-themed book, and we're talking about how you and I can tap into that powerful stuff. So you're going to learn, one, how to determine whether something is truly a superpower or not. Two, the six questions to help you discover your ordinary superpowers. And three, key steps to activate and enhance your ordinary superpowers. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced here, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep192. And while you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I encourage you to check out some of our handy resources there. One of my faves these days has just been the magnifying glass right up in there in the search navigation bar. If you click it, All of these episodes have been transcribed, so any issue that has come up that we've talked about before, you can search right quick that way. Super handy. We may have covered something that is of keen, topical, timely interest for you this week in the 192 conversations that we've had recorded and transcribed thus far. So check that out, the magnifying glass in the menu bar over at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now, here's Mark's story. Mark Hinson is a lifelong entrepreneur and the founder of Sparkspace, a unique and exceptional business retreat center in Columbus, Ohio. Mark's ordinary superpowers are exploring new ideas and spaces, simplifying things, and sharing ideas through speaking and writing. In addition to leading his team at Sparkspace, Mark writes books, conducts retreats, speaks at conferences, and coaches people who want to get more fully engaged with life and work. Here's Mark. Mark, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I hope I'm awesome at my job. If not, then maybe by the end of this uh, interview, I will be. Uh, well, so far, you know, you have enchanted me with your awesomeness simply by having a fantastic microphone. So kudos to you already there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm an AV nerd is what I am. I love AV equipment. I will buy it all day long if my wife will let me. Oh, yes. Well, it makes a real difference. And as we're hearing and, and listeners, I hope are appreciating the power of the Heil PR40. You're rocking over there. I'm on a Shure Beta 87A myself. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's nice. Got a little microphone envy here. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, pros and cons to each different model. But I want to go a little bit deeper into your backstory and history behind a microphone. I understand at one point you were a nighttime top 40 radio DJ. Tell me, what was? did you have a DJ name and what was the backstory there? I did. Yeah. Um, From the time I was in seventh grade, I wanted to be a DJ. Uh, We had some DJs from a local radio station, DJ, one of our middle school, very awkward middle school dances, you know, the ones where all the girls stand on one side and all the guys stand on the other. And while I was standing on my guy's side of the, uh, the auditorium or the cafeteria, the school cafeteria, um, by the way, these were held during the daytime right after school. So (laughs) like, it was just so weird and awkward all the way around. But we had these DJs come in from a local radio station and I looked at them and I thought they are the coolest people I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) That's what I want to do. 
And so sure enough, I pursued that with a passion for a long, long time. I mean, from that moment on, all the way through high school, through college, I went to school for radio TV broadcasting. Um, and, uh, and then I launched into a radio career actually while I was still in college and then several years beyond, um, cycled through a couple of different names, but the name that really stuck, um, of course, when you're a nighttime top 40 DJ, you've got to have a flashy name. And my flashy name was Joe Bahama. Joe Bahama. Now, did you have an accent or was it like Island time? <laughs> <No>. or <laughs> I bought uh, every Hawaiian shirt on the clearance rack at the Gap one season. And so I had a uniform, but I, I just used my real voice. I always told people, you know, when, when people know you're a DJ, they're like, oh, do your DJ thing. <laughs> and I would say, this is pretty much it. You know, I it's kind of like me only maybe turned up two notches. That That was my on-air persona. Oh, yes. Well, I can relate to that on stage. No Caribbean accent or anything. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, well. anyway, it's paying off in spades now with your great audio quality. And so I also wanted to touch base for maybe just call an appetizer to our main entree of talking about superpowers. I got a real kick out of your Twitter about Boring Meeting Prevention Month. Yes. What is this cause and what are some of your quick tips for preventing boring meetings? Well, it's marketing hype, I'll be honest, but it's good marketing hype, I think. Uh, my main business, my core business is a business called Sparkspace, which is an executive retreat center in Columbus, Ohio. We host uh, offsite business meetings, team building, executive retreats, workshops, seminars in this very cool, very uh, fun, very comfortable loft style meeting space. So it's a place where you would go to get offsite rather than have to go rent a uh, hotel conference room or go to a really boring conference center. God forbid, hold it inside a meeting inside your own conference room back in your office where you're full of distraction and and, and horrible furniture. I always say that uh, conference rooms in most businesses are where old furniture goes to die. And, uh -huh. and the same with ideas. Um, so I invented this business uh, several years ago, about 17 years ago now, uh, of a place where people could get off site, do something more creative in a more creative environment, let their hair down a little bit, be more collaborative, have a little more fun. And so uh, this year, uh, my new marketing director, uh, Holly, got to send a shout out to her. She She came up with this idea to declare July Boring Meeting Prevention Month. I mean, we do it year round in my business, but we wanted to encourage uh, everyone else to stop having boring meetings in the month of July, and hopefully that'll trickle on down. Uh, so it's a, it was a very good uh, marketing campaign for us, and it's been a lot of fun. We've had uh, a lot of uh, pop-up events uh, in our lobby. We've had like a pancake flipper come in one day and flip pancakes and toss them in the air to people uh, as they were coming in the door. Uh, we've had uh, little things like we had somebody come in and make desk plants where everybody got to dig in the dirt for a little bit and make their own desk plant and then take it home with them. Uh, just these sort of fun activities that we introduced throughout the month to kind of shake up the meetings that were happening in our place. Um, and the response was huge. People just absolutely loved it. And then we also had, this was a fun idea too. We had, we have these, uh, emergency buttons in each room, kind of like the, you know, the staples, uh, mm -hmm. that staples, uh, easy button. Only we had these call buttons where if your meeting got boring, you could push the button and then a bell would ring back in our office 
we would take a box, a mystery box into the meeting, drop it down and say, open this box. And then we'd leave. <laughs> and the box might have some silly game. It might have Nerf guns in it. It might have, you know, some surprise for them to open up and play with for a few minutes to kind of shake up their meeting a little bit. And that has gone over extremely well, too. Something we're probably thinking about keeping long term somehow. Oh, that's a good time. That's a good time. So it sounds like your takeaway in terms of not having a boring meeting boils down to being able to change things up and not get stuck into, you know, traditional ruts of stuff you kept doing either by changing the space or just the activity and stimuli around folks. Yeah, I think change is good for sure when it comes to meetings, both changing the environment as well as uh, making sure you're changing up the energy in the room frequently during a meeting. I mean, we did this boring meeting prevention month as this real fun thing. And I don't think every meeting has to be fun to be effective by any means. Um, just even being well thought out in your agenda and making sure that you stick to the plan and not go off on a million tangents. Um, it's when people try to cram too much or try to cover too many things uh, or they put too many slides in a PowerPoint, you know, we all glaze over and it gets really, really boring. So just paying attention to some of those basic things can really keep the energy up throughout your meeting and help it be more productive. The number one thing I would say probably is don't ever try to do too much in one meeting. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Well, so that's our appetizer. Talk about boring meeting preventions. Now let's talk about the entree here, the main ditty. Your book, Ordinary Superpowers, great title. I had a Superman themed wedding. Fun fact about me. Did you really? That's fantastic. (laughs) I mean, not every element, but you know, there were enough little pieces in terms of the save the date magnet and the invitation from the Daily Planet. And <laughs> please tell me you were wearing tights. Please you know, tell well, me. I was wearing my custom made Superman outfit that I normally wear only once a year on Halloween, but I was wearing that for our save the date photos. Oh, okay. And there was a little Superman crest menu tucked into like a tuxedo fold napkin. And that's probably about the extent of the Superman elements. The rest was just, you know, good Catholic mass and you know food and drink and fun <laughs> from there. I didn't know Superman was Catholic. <laughs> I, I learned something here. Well, I will say, if you look at the first Superman movie, boy, there's some interesting kind of Christian themes that are kind of woven throughout there. But that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about your book, Ordinary Superpowers. What's the skinny there? Well, it's a book that was born out of, uh, like like a lot of things, born out of a, a tough time in my own life uh, where I was going through a period of my business. And I mentioned my business is, you know, almost two decades old. And I hit a point a few years ago where I was kind of stuck. I kind of felt like I'd been there, done that. I'd lost the passion for my business. Uh, I had moved on from being sort of the entrepreneur and creator to the manager and administrator of my business. And, uh, you know, I hit this big, long stretch of time where I just really wasn't into it anymore. And to help pull myself out of that, one of the things I did was I got back to my roots. I started focusing on the stuff I was really, really good at. Um, And through some external coaching, as well as even some counseling eventually, what I discovered was, is when I got back to those things I was really good at doing, those things that I consider to be my superpowers, um, then stuff started happening. I started getting interested again. I started, my passion started coming back. I started getting better results again. My business started to grow. So all of these really good things kind of led me to say, there's something to this idea of, you know, we've always heard about focusing on your strengths. And I've always had this sort of fascination 
and uh, an affinity for superheroes and superhero movies. And just the idea of that we have these talents or abilities that kind of exceed the norm um, uh, for each one of us. And when we really latch onto those and we put those to good use, uh, we start seeing some really good results in our lives. So that's where the book came from. I, I focused on that in my own life. And then I shared it through a workshop that I do um, and got really good results from that workshop. And then, you know, since I had a workshop, I decided there's already an outline there for a book. And so I sort of took the the workshop content and translated into a book over about a year, year and a half, and then finally got this thing in my hands uh, in April of this year. And so far, so good. And continue to do the workshop along the way as well. Continue to get good results, helping people discover and activate and enhance and multiply their superpowers. So that's the the down and dirty background of the book. Oh, that's fantastic. And that is a message we've heard before from, I'm thinking Scott Barlow in episode 181 about how when you are operating within your strengths or your superpower, suddenly, you know, what seems stressful in terms of like the load or demand or hours seems totally fine. And it's in fact energizing and you're rocking it. So that's really cool. Now you mentioned a couple components of an ordinary superpower, but do you have a sort of an overall definition or set of criteria that sort of define what makes an ordinary superpower? Just yes, that? yeah, I do because we all have uh, natural abilities and talents and strengths, and there are, is no shortage of uh, ways to figure out what your strengths are. Right? There's Strengths Finder 2.0. There's every assessment under the sun from you know Disc to Colby to Myers Briggs and all of those as well. So I wanted to keep it actually really, really simple. So you didn't have to remember a whole lot. The only thing you have to remember is is what your strengths are, what your superpowers are, and you don't have to worry about a whole bunch of other acronyms or or labels or buckets or anything like that. Um, so really, as you think about the things that you're very, very good at, um, and we all sort of have an inkling of what those are, there's a four-part test that I use that helps determine what an ordinary superpower is. The first part of the test is that it comes naturally to you. doesn't necessarily mean you were born with it. It just means that right now, at this moment in time in your life, it feels natural to you. The second part of the test is that it's an, it's elevated. As you look around your family, friends, your community, your circle, you have this ability more than most. doesn't mean you're the best in the world at it. It just means that you have an elevated level of that ability when you compare yourself against the people around you. By the way, this is the only time I allow people to ever compare themselves to anyone else (laughs) Um, because that is a recipe for failure and disaster for sure. Um, But it's okay in this case because you have to do some self-evaluation and see how you measure up. Uh, in order to identify what your superpowers are. Third part of the test is, does it help anybody? We have lots of talents and skills that we might enjoy using and they might be pretty good. We might be elevated at them, but if they don't help somebody, if they don't make a positive difference in somebody's life, then I can't really consider that a superpower. So third part of the test is, does it help somebody? And it can help you along the way, but it needs to help other people to qualify as a superpower. Fourth and final part of the test, and to me, probably the most important one, because this is the one I use as the tiebreaker. If everything else seems to be equal, or if you really struggle and you say, I've got multiple abilities that meet the first three parts of the test, the fourth part is the most important one then. And it's that you enjoy using that power. It actually gives you energy. Like you mentioned a while ago, where you can spend a lot of time doing this and you don't necessarily feel drained. You might feel tired 
when you use it, but you never feel that that emotional and physical draining of something that is, you know, that we've all experienced doing something that we're not very good at. And we have to spend an awful lot of time and energy to make that make that work. And by the end of that, we feel completely drained. Right. To me, an ordinary superpower is when you're done using it, you, you almost can't wait to go back and do it again. Okay. Oh, that's so fun. Thank you. And <laughs> it's interesting. As you mentioned, number three, does it help anybody? I was thinking, I was chatting earlier. We had Lisa Cummings, who has a podcast all about strengths, which I recommend checking out. And it came up that I was capable of clapping with one hand, <laughs> which sounds like this for the record. And so that does come at naturally. It is elevated relative to others, but it is in no way helpful exactly. <laughs> to anybody except maybe for brief periods of amusement. Well, so, when you're holding a drink in one hand and you need to <laughs> applaud with the, you know, I, I found myself in that position just a few days ago. I was the only one in an entire crowd who wasn't clapping for something because I had something in one hand. So I'm like, you know, I'm beating my thigh and uh, trying to make noise some other way. And I felt really awkward. But if I had that skill, if I had that super power. It might come in handy or it could be detrimental because you're just drinking more. <laughs> I like I like how you said, I like how you said it might come in handy. Too, oh, but. I didn't even notice that. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> well played. So it's a nice lineup then. So maybe could you give us a few examples then in terms of if a natural or a, an ordinary superpower has these four criteria kind of checked. Can you give us some examples of what then would constitute some examples of an ordinary superpower and maybe some things that are close calls, but actually would not quite qualify, you know, under sure. your four-part test. Yeah, absolutely. So again, the four parts are, it comes naturally to me. I'm better at it than most. It helps people and I enjoy using it. So I can use my own skills probably most closely because I know those better than any. And my top three that come to mind for me are, I'm very uh, good at um, exploring the new. I love to to explore the new, and that might mean um, brainstorming ideas for a new product or service or, a, or or a challenge that we have at work. But it also might mean rearranging the furniture in my house. It also might mean traveling because that involves exploring a lot of new things. So that is a, a superpower for me. I will follow that one all day long, and it meets all four parts of the test for me as well. Uh, my second superpower is simplifying things. I love to take ideas that are like really wordy and complex and like narrow them down to, you know, the bare minimum. Um, I used to, and this one's interesting because I used to not really think that was a superpower because I felt like all I was ever doing was just dumbing things down so I could understand it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like when there's something really complex, I'd have to wrap my head around it and get it to a point where I could understand it. And I, I, I kind of, uh, I don't even know what that's called is self-deprecating or like, I, I really, it was kind of a negative thing to me. But I realized at one point when when people started pointing out to me that they couldn't do that or they really admired that ability in me, I started thinking, huh, there's there's something here. Like I should use that power more proactively and see what happens. And sure enough, I, now I believe it's a superpower. Um, and uh, so that's a couple of mine, my top my top two. Um, a couple of others, like uh, they don't necessarily have to be these hard and fast skills either. Like the one I use about my dad is that my dad sees the good in everybody. All right. Um, my dad was a high school teacher and I got to witness him teaching firsthand because I actually got to have him for a semester in high school. And I, I witnessed him when he was teaching, he would take the roughest, toughest kids and he would always find good things about them. 
they could be in the middle of a fight in the hallway and he would break it up and say, stop it, knuckleheads. You're smarter than this. And he'd pull them aside and say, why are you doing this? You have so much more about you than just fighting with other people. And so he always saw the good in people still, still does. He's, he's 81 years old and I can't, you can't go into a store or restaurant or whatever without him pointing out the good in somebody else, because that's just how he's wired. Um, my mom, on the other hand, she's mm-hmm. like the world's best interior designer and she never made a living at it. She never pursued it as a career, but she totally could have. She's 80 years old and her house still looks like it comes out of a, a modern magazine. She's just brilliant at that. So oh, Mark, those are you, just some <laughs> close by examples. That's good. When you said but my mom, on the other hand, I thought you said is a master at criticizing me. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> that's where you were going. But no, interior, <laughs> interior design decorator, that is a skill I'm going to need. We're closing on our first home in just a oh, couple of days. Congratulations. Here. Thank you. So, and neither of us are particularly gifted, <laughs> my <laughs> wife or I, when it comes to interior design. So, help would be appreciated. Okay, very cool. So, so those are some great examples there. So, then what is the approach to discovering them? Now, you mentioned you could take the StrengthsFinder 2.0 or, or any number of other assessments. What are some additional ways we can go about making that discovery? Well, um, in my book, <laughs> I outline uh, six questions, actually, that help you dis- discover or reveal what your ordinary superpowers might be. And I'll go through these questions very quickly. Um, and I'll tell you what, um, this appears in chapter four of my book. And uh, it, that's the chapter I give away as a freebie when people want to oh, cool. just check out the book. Um, you know, a lot of authors will they'll give away a free chapter and it's it's the introduction or the first chapter, which doesn't really have any of the meat of the mm-hmm. book in it. It just has the style. I decided to go right to the meat and give that away instead. So this cool. is this is straight out of chapter four. These six questions are number one. What are you always doing? What do you always find yourself doing when you're in a meeting? What's the role you play when you're at work? What, what is it that you sort of default to all the time? What do you find yourself always doing? Number two, the second question to ask is what do people always ask you for help with? Uh, chances are if people ask you for help with something, they either they really don't want to do it or they recognize a superior skill in you that they don't have. Uh, number three, what do you always feel compelled to volunteer for? When you're at the PTA meeting or you're at the the, the company uh, summer party committee meeting or you're in just a regular old staff meeting and they ask for volunteers, what's that that job or role or activity or task that you feel like you should raise your hand for? Not because you feel obligated because no one else is raising their hand, but because you recognize that that's a skill you have that you could probably do with your hands tied behind your back. For instance, for me, like that one, I'd answer if anybody, anytime anybody needs somebody to talk into a microphone, I'll raise my hand because I got that in my skill set. Number four question is, what do you do that other people admire? When people compliment you, uh, when they say you're so good at that thing, whatever that is, you're so good at organizing information or you're so good at, you know, at your podcast or you're so good at whatever, there might be some hints in there that there's a skill or a talent that could be a superpower. Number five is what do you do that makes a positive difference? What kinds of activities do you find yourself drawn to where you know it makes a difference in someone else's life? And the size of the difference doesn't matter. That's one of the things I try to get across in the book too, is that, um, you know, 
the the world tries to push us towards being epic and legendary and go big or go home. And really to me, like the size of that doesn't matter. If you make a small difference, you've made a difference. So don't over, uh, don't overdo it when you're trying to think of like big, huge things that could be my superpowers. They could be really small things that make a difference. And then finally, Number six, what do you enjoy doing most in the whole world? You know, it's that sort of if time and money was no object, how would you spend your time? What would you do? Um, and somewhere in there might be some hints. So those six questions, when you ask yourself those questions, hopefully if you come up with enough answers for those, then you'll start seeing some themes at least. And you might even see some superpowers that really jump out at you because they fell in two or three or four or five or six of those questions. And it became very apparent to you as you asked and answered that, those six questions. Oh, I do like that question. That's set up very much. And one thing that really strikes me there is when it says, what do people compliment you for? Or what do others admire within you? And they say, you're so good at this. I think it's very tempting to just sort of discard that like, no, it really wasn't hard. <laughs> and then you like miss out on the fact that they're giving you a real big clue, a gem that can guide you there. That's exactly why I called the book Ordinary Superpowers. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes those powers, those things that we have that meet the four parts of the test that really are an elevated skill or, or whatever for us, because they feel so natural to us, we we just assume that everybody can do it. Right. We don't think they're all that special or we blow it off or we, you know, brush it off when somebody compliments us. We're like, oh, no, no, it's no big deal. No, it really is a big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, if there's any one point to the book, it's that like wake up to what those are and then be OK with that. You know, give yourself the permission to actually put those into more proactive practice and recognize them for what they are. Mm. OK, I really dig that. So that's the sort of discovery phase. You also talk about some additional phases in terms of activating and enhancing a given superpower once you've discovered it. How does that go down? So activating is really all about being proactive, looking for opportunities to use those powers once you've really identified and probably more importantly, clarified and articulated what those powers are. Um, so once you, the, the more articulate you are about them, you can start telling other people what your powers are. You can start expressing those. You could put them in your LinkedIn profile if you wanted to, so that people start recognizing what your powers are and they, then they know how to tap into you, right? Wouldn't it be great if everybody in your world knew exactly what you love doing the most and what you're absolutely the best at so that then when that opportunity comes up, you're the guy they call or you're the girl they call for that. That mm -hmm. to me would be the ideal situation for anybody. So that's what activation is about is being very clear and articulate and then looking for those, those opportunities to uh, put those powers into practice. Okay. Could you give us an example for how folks might proactively make that happen if they're not currently sort of by default doing that in their jobs? One way is just letting the world know on LinkedIn, et cetera. How else? Uh, well, honestly, letting your boss know if you have a boss or letting your clients know Sometimes we're excelling at things that are not our superpowers. And so everybody sort of keeps coming to us, giving us those projects or those, those tasks because we, we did so well on it last time, but it's not really what we're totally wired to do. So we keep getting those same kind of projects and same kind of jobs over and over, but it's not really totally lighting us up. Uh, so I would say communicate that, you know, make sure that you're looking for those kind of projects and those kind of roles where your superpowers can really be put to use. One of the saddest things to me is when people feel like I'm so stuck where I am, 
No one's using my powers. My boss never asked me to really use my superpowers. Um, I'm paraphrasing here because people really don't talk about superpowers mm-hmm. until they understand them, but they have that feeling like I'm not being fully utilized. There's stuff I want to do that I don't get to do, but they've never made it known that that's what they really want to do. Um, and so they, they're just, they end up stuck. One of the biggest crimes, one of the biggest crimes that people commit is, is just staying silent and waiting for someone else to tell them what to do or waiting for someone else to give them permission to start using their superpowers. So they end up with this, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence mentality when they have every bit of power they need to make the grass green right where they are. Oh, that's so on the money. And I remember chatting with Lisa Cummings again. She was at episode 65. And we discussed that sometimes you can simply do a swap, you know, like your boss doesn't even need to know (laughs) at times necessarily. It's like, hey, I want to work on this stuff and you're going to work on that. And as just sort of a little informal alliance that you form to get a little bit more of the stuff that's in your superpower zone within your daily work responsibilities. You know, we have these annual reviews. Most companies do. I, I've I've abolished them in my own company because I, I don't believe in an annual review. It's just not enough. Um, it's not enough time. It's 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 way too much time in between. But if you have the chance to sit down in a review instead of just focusing on, well, how did I do at the stuff that you asked me to do? which probably has very little to do with my actual superpowers, make sure you carve out some time during that review process to say, hey, here are some things I'm really good at that I'm not being utilized. Are there some opportunities that I could be putting those to use for the company? Or better yet, identifying those and being proactive about it and saying, hey, there's this project that we haven't been able to do yet, but man, I could knock that one out of the park if you let me. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Thank you. And then... On the flip side of all this, you mentioned Kryptonite, the arch nemesis of Superman. Thank you. So what might be some examples of a person's Kryptonite in the opposition to their superpower and how do we avoid that well? So yeah, we have kryptonite and we have uh, we have obstacles. Obstacles are those sort of external things that you know we can we can work our way around, we can bust through them, we could actually eliminate those. Kryptonite is that it's that thing or those things that you can't change, but they're out there. And when you get near those things, they start sucking your power away from you and they make you less effective and they make you frustrated and there's not a darn thing you can do about it. Um, so for instance, I, when I bring this up, almost, almost every time people start identifying a person in their life, Oh, um, it could be a boss, could be a, uh, could be a family member, could be a coworker, but it's that those things that you just can't change. I can't fire a coworker if they sit in the cubicle next to me, but they might be kryptonite to me because they just suck my time and energy because they're a, an Eeyore downer kind of a person, or they're, they just talk too much or they, uh, they're substandard at their job and I'm not. And that drives me nuts. You know, all of these things I have no control over, uh, except the one thing that I can do is limit my exposure. When you think about kryptonite, uh, to Superman, the only thing he could do with kryptonite is try to stay away from it. Mm -hmm. Try to keep as much distance between him and kryptonite as possible. Um, He just didn't have enough in him to really fight the kryptonite, right? That was the one thing that could actually bring him down. So he had to just avoid it at all costs. And that's what I suggest people do. Like even if it's a family member, even if it's a coworker, do whatever you can to avoid that 
uh, as much as possible. If you're at a family reunion and you know that person's going to be there, well, most rooms are big enough for you to stay on one side and them to stay on the other side. And you can rotate <laughs> mm-hmm. as, as they move around and maybe cross paths once in a while, but you know, you don't have to let them occupy your time and suck your energy like that. Same goes with coworkers. And the worst is if you're kryptonite, your boss. And that would be probably one of the cases where I'd say, yeah, the grass might be greener somewhere else. Oh, intriguing. So I'm so struck that when you said kryptonite, you mentioned people. And for me, I'm having a hard time. I guess it's a blessing, <laughs> you know, drumming up a person that, oh, I just really can't stand them. But I guess I was thinking there are certain kinds of tasks or responsibilities that just make me glaze over like, oh my gosh, a lot of the times yeah. if it has to do with like liability or compliance or like professional standards, it's just like, oh. For me, it's fixing technology problems. Yeah. Trying to fix technology. I'm very good. It actually meets three three of the four parts of the test for me. I, I'm very good at it. It comes naturally to me because I'm a problem solver. Um, definitely helps other people. Uh, but when it comes to the enjoyment factor, it's I, the way I describe it is it sucks my soul. I just, yeah. I can't stand, like I was on the phone with the phone company uh, for three hours the other day mm-hmm. trying to trying to get new phones installed. It's something that should take like 10 minutes in my opinion, but it took three hours and more to get it all done. And we're still not completely done with it. And it's the most frustrating thing in the world to me. So fixing technology problems, if I could stay away from that stuff, I totally would. Unfortunately, once in a while, I got to deal with it. And so I just fight my way through it. And then I, I move on as quickly as I can. Mm-hmm. Understood. Okay. Well, Mark, this has been such rich, good stuff. Is there anything else you want to share before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Uh, I would just say, you know, the probably the number one thing that I wanted to throw out to suggest people is to make sure that, you know, you can focus on your superpowers, but the, um, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is that they focus on their most super non-superpowers, Hmm. at the expense of their superpowers. So those things that we happen to be very, very good at and people want us to do more of it because we're very good at those things. Um, it could even be like in my case, could be fixing technology problems because no one else in my company can do it like I can. Um, so they always want me to do it. But for me to do that um, is just not the best use of my time. And it takes the time away from using my my true ordinary superpowers uh, so I need to avoid that at all costs. Otherwise, what, what happens when we use our most super non-superpowers um, is that we get stuck in that. And then we get we find ourselves in jobs and roles that we really didn't want. Or worse yet, we get promoted to jobs and roles that we really don't want um, because then that involves managing other people doing things that you never wanted to do in the first place. So, And that's a common trap that people find themselves in. So the faster you can focus on your superpowers and let go of even the most super non-superpowers, you're going to be better off. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Now, could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Yeah, it actually, I included this in the book. Um, I ran across this uh, when uh, I was looking specifically for quotes, and it has now become one of my all-time favorite quotes uh, from Joss Whedon, who's the... the um, creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, uh, Firefly. And he's writer, director. He's awesome. Um, whatever makes you weird is probably your greatest asset. Oh, cool. Thank you. And how about a favorite book? 
Uh, most recently, like I, I have a hard time like nailing stuff down because my last book I read is the my always my favorite, it seems. Um, but a recent book I finished that I really loved was How to Live a Good Life by Jonathan Fields. Excellent. Thank you. And how about a favorite tool? Calendly. Yes. It's a scheduling tool that eliminates email and phone tag to just have a, a meeting or a quick phone call with somebody. I love it. That's how we schedule this very conversation. I'm a Calendly lover myself. Every time I, I, when I first started using that, I thought it was kind of arrogant and, but I had people thanking me for sending them the link. Like, oh my God, that was so great. I'm going to start using that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's fantastic. Well, it is so funny. And I will have it sort of send out like briefing packets, you know, to guests sort of right in there with the email confirmations. And I have had superlative praises from folks like, this is the best process I have ever <laughs> been through for doing an interview. <laughs> Thank you. It's like, well, I'm glad you liked it because I chose it because it meant less time for me. But I, I will echo that it was. It was phenomenal. Like the, the prep material you send out, uh, by far the best I've seen yet. Oh, shucks. Well, thank you. And how about a favorite habit or personal practice of yours? Uh, one hour of reading every day. Mm, awesome. I get up. It's the first thing I do. I read for an hour before I start working. And how about a particular nugget you share that seems to really connect, resonate with folks? They Kindle book highlight, they retweet, they nod their heads, they take notes. What's something you say that really connects? You don't have to change the world. You just need to change your world. Oh, nice. Nice. Thank you. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Easiest place is uh, my personal website. That's markhenson.me. And uh, if you want that free chapter, the chapter four I mentioned, actually uh, just add a slash and then free chapter after that. Markhenson.me slash free chapter. And that's where you'll find that. And by the way, well, you and I discussed this ahead of time, and then I totally forgot until just now. But I want to give away some books. I love, yeah. I love giving away books. I love selling books too. Don't get me wrong, but I, I love giving away books. Um, so I'll give away five books to members of your audience. Cool. Thank you. Well, I'm excited. And how do they get their hands on these? Why don't we have them um, post something on LinkedIn? Uh, where they'll tag you and tag me. They can post it. Do you post these episodes on LinkedIn? I sure do, yeah. So yeah, so, they, so find that, post a comment there, tag us in there so we know you did it. And uh, then the first five people that do that, I'll send them a free copy of the book. Not only that, but I will also send a free superpower mask along with the book. Oh, wow. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a shameless marketing promotion because I really want you to like get on Facebook or Instagram and uh -huh. take a picture of yourself with the book, but it's, it That's works. Clever. That is, you know what you're doing. <laughs> that is cool. Thank you. Well, perfect. Well, that kind of sounds like a challenge or call to action right there. Or is there anything else you want to issue forth? Uh, just I'll, I'll echo that. Stop wasting time on your most super non-superpower activities uh, because it, I believe, I truly believe that is hurting you more than you know. Mm -hmm. Noted. Well, Mark, thank you so much for bringing this perspective. It's been a whole lot of fun. I wish you lots of luck with Spark Space and Ordinary Superpowers and all you're up to. Thank you. This is one of my most favorite podcasts ever. And I honestly, I do not say that every time I do a podcast. Oh, well, I'm flattered. Thank you. <laughs> I dug the high standard Mark set for what becomes an ordinary superpower and not to get bogged down in using the time on your most super non-superpower activities, which can be quite tempting and alluring. It doesn't have to be that way. You can 
focus in on activities that cover all of those key questions he mentioned. I think that's a nice challenge and a wake-up call to get more so in the groove on the best stuff. We're going to perform better and have more fun doing it and delighting folks along the way and lose track of time in the zone of flow, goodness, all that awesome stuff. So again, if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced here, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep192. And I hope you'll push subscribe if you haven't already so you'll hear from folks like our next guest. It is Britt Andriata. She's been high on my list as a guest for a long, long time. She's the former chief learning officer at lynda.com, knows a lot about the brain and the workplace, how we function. She's talking the neuroscience of teams. Some of it is kind of mind-blowing. So I hope to catch you there in peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.